Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, and I have a guest named Hannes Soblad, uh, founder of Bionificant, which he says means, uh, I guess, bio-curious. How you doing, Hannes? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, this was the most difficult part is pronouncing things, at least for me. <laughs> but, but, uh, Your pronunciation is just fine. So, Okay. Where do, you, uh, where do you hail from, by the way? What country? So I live and work and hail from Sweden, although I have lived in many countries, including the U.S. Um, so, but at the moment, I'm based here in Sweden. Okay. And what do you do at uh, Bionificant? So Bionific and we are a community for uh, biohackers and um, as biohackers we explore new uses for uh, technology and how it interacts with biology and uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, we learn a lot and uh, we are very hands-on, we, we hack stuff ourselves and you know we're, we're not satisfied with just talking, we, we love to, to try things out. So what are some of the projects you guys are working on or that you have great stories about? Right. So um, we have, um, I mean, we have set up a community lab where, and, you know, anyone can come and join and uh, use uh, classic lab technology. So we do DNA analysis, uh, some basic gene manipulation. We, we learn people, we tell people how they can use this kind of equipment uh, and inspire them to do interesting hacks. We work together with uh, a network that's called um, uh, sorry uh, lost the term. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> well, it's an international network. It's called iGEM. Sorry, let me rephrase. So, we work uh, a lot together with iGEM, which is a, uh, an international competition for uh, students uh, who are working with uh, digital biology and uh, synthetic biology. So, that's one thing we do. Uh, we also do a lot of whole workshops and talks, but perhaps what has gained us some notoriety is that we also host implant parties where we take... Uh, chip implants and we inject ourselves with implants and then we explore various ways to use them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I'm in Austin, Texas, and there's a biohacking conference now every year and they had a booth. They were implanting yes. uh, chips in your hand and stuff. So 
Yeah, tell me about what you guys do. What have you implanted and what have people experienced with it? Right, so, um, I mean, we, we're very practical about this. We we, we saw those implants online uh, that, that are, are from dangerous things. And uh, the way we, we think about these things is that we don't just want to experiment, but we'd also uh, know that when we do it together, we all learn more. So this is why instead of just going and getting implanted individually, we uh, we said, let's do this as a group and then we share the insights. Uh, so uh, this is the, the background behind doing this as an implant party format. That's smart. And, um, yeah, and, and it has helped because, uh, you know, people bond a little bit over the experience and they keep in touch and they share insights. Hey, look at this new app I found, etc. So, but what we do is, I mean, there are some mainstream user cases. For example, uh, you can replace your uh, various key badges that you would use for an office or uh, a gym or similar uh, and you can just use your implant in the entrance you also uh, have the ability to uh, replace or sort of any swipe card that is in your um, wallet let's say it's a library card or maybe a discount card in a shop or a membership thing for some club uh, all of these things we have replaced and i think we're really uh, helped by by the fact that yes absolutely that Sweden is a relatively high trust and open society so when I walk up to you know the register in my gym and say guys can I try this implant uh, instead of this card you forced me to carry around they said sure that sounds cool let's try it (laughs) what what if (laughs) they want to see your uh, most places perhaps (laughs) what if they want to see your signature on the back of the card what do you do then Exactly. This was very. Uh, this was um, a bit amusing. So the way it worked, I walked up to this um, girl in in her you know track pants and in the register, and she said, "Yeah, cool. Let's try it." And so we did. And uh, and then I said, "Great. Now I can throw away my card." And you, she perhaps got a little bit second thoughts there and said, "Well, you always have to bring your card with you anyway." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I'm gonna do that. Uh, carry the whole point is to get rid of having to carry." all those devices with me. Huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the when I swipe my hand, it shows a picture of me on their computer, so obviously it's me. That's and if crazy. someone would hack my implant and copy it, uh, they would be able to tell that it's not the same person. So I think that's pretty foolproof. Um, then, of course, there is beyond just, uh, you know, using the existing infrastructure for uh, touch type identification. Uh, there is, of course, the dimension of using this as a login for your personal devices. So I use my implant to unlock my computer, to unlock my smartphone, instead of having pin codes and passwords. Uh, I mean, this is this is very convenient and also a way for me that I don't have to remember these things. Uh, huh. But if you have a little bit of imagination and you also are a friend of tinkering with hardware yourself, you can really stick these NFC readers into anything. Anything with a battery. Uh, so, um, for example, we modified a soft air gun so that we can lock and unlock it with a chip implant as a, as a proof of how we can make guns safer. Wow. Uh, there's, um, for example, uh, you can, I have a friend, he made a, his own little medicine box. He doesn't want his kids to open it. So now he unlocks it with his chip implant. Um, and it's quite easy. There are quite there are cheap uh, NFC locks that you can buy for 
like 40 bucks and you can take them apart and you can reuse these pieces uh, to uh, for example if you want to make your own um, you know electrical toothbrush if you want to personalize it you can lock it so it, it's only when the hand with the chip implant holds it wow uh, so, so you, you can tell we're, we're serious nerds <laughs> yeah yeah these things so this is NFC, it's Near Field Communication, that's the mechanism by which it communicates? Uh, exactly, to give some context for uh, for people who are not exactly into these things. So Near Field Communication is the term. Near Field Communication is uh, a protocol in which uh, smart devices interact uh, by way of very close touch. And I, I used to say that the, inter- the, the, the fast-growing Internet of Things, it speaks a few languages. All the smart connected devices around us, they most of the time they either speak Wi-Fi when they communicate with each other, or they speak uh, Bluetooth if it's a bit shorter distance, or if it's for very close distances, they speak the language of NFC. So tell me the um, level. tell me the yeah, ranges. Sorry, come to the point. Yeah, the, the point uh, is to uh, sorry. The idea is that by putting an implant in my hand. It gives my body the ability to speak the language of the Internet of Things. Mm. Sorry, your question. Yeah, I apologize for interrupting. So what's the range of NFC versus Bluetooth versus Wi-Fi? Right. So NFC is uh, within half an inch or so. So it's a very close touch. It depends a little bit on the size of the antenna. Uh, Perhaps with the bigger antenna that you may have in a a credit card, it could be... uh, one or two inches, but with the implants we have, it's it's less than an inch. Uh, for Bluetooth, you can use that for, uh, is it up to 10, 15 meters? It depends on um, if there's something in the way. Uh, and Wi-Fi, you, you have a somewhat bigger range, uh, and it's also more powerful transmitters. Uh, so hmm. it depends on the distance. Also, Wi-Fi carries, of course, much more data, much faster than Bluetooth and uh, NFC does. All right, so tell me a little bit about this NFC implant. How big is it? How do you put it in? Where does it go? What does it feel like? Hold on. So um, the implant uh, is about the size of a large grain of rice. So it's two millimeters wide in diameter and it's 12 millimeters long. So it's very tiny and it sits inside an injection needle that uh, you stick it to the hand of your skin and you just shoot the implant in and it's a very quick procedure it's not particularly painful and it requires sort of no anesthetic or stitches or anything it's Hmm. about as quick as to make a hole in your ear uh, which a lot of people walk around with so what um all right so you put it in what happens to it in the body does the body reject it or push it out uh as it does with some implants or what happens over time now the good thing with this type of chip implants is they are, they are thoroughly tested on animals because we have industrially chipped large animals since the early 1990s. So uh, I mean the billions upon billions of horses, sheep, cats and dogs that have been chip implanted this way. So we, we know very well how these implants are treated and how they fare inside the body. And the the chip itself is encased in a ceramic glass 
which is biocompatible. It means that the body doesn't attack it. It mostly ignores the implant. There is a, a small buildup of biofilm on the outside, but it's not uh, rejected by the body as such. What if you want to take it out? Is it hard to get it out or can it be extracted easily? It's as easy to extract as it is to uh, insert, uh, fortunately. And uh, this is what I uh, keep telling my friends that, uh, you know, it, to get an implant is much easier and more risk-free than to get a tattoo, for example. Wow. I mean, tattoos are pretty difficult to reserve. Anyone who, who's been 19 and uh, gone on spring break and ended up with some something they regret that they have to carry it for a long time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a chip implant, is, it's, it's tiny. What you do is that you simply take a needle and you poke a, a little hole in the skin beside the implant and then you pop it out uh, like you would do with a splinter in your hand and mm. then it's gone. So. To me, this is uh, it's safe and it's reversible and it's uh, you know relatively. It is I, I see no no major risks or harms with having a chip implant. And how is it powered? Is it powered by your body or is it just um, it's only powered when it comes near another device or how does it function? Exactly. So these NFC chips are uh, what we call passive chips. That means that they don't have any power source of its own. They have no battery. So the benefit with this is that they don't need to be charged. And the way it works is that they have a magnetic coil, which uh, when you hold them close to a magnetic field of a certain frequency, the chip implant wakes up and transmits its information. So uh, if I, for example, hold my phone close to my implant, it wakes up and says, uh, hello, this is the information, and then it sort of goes back to sleep. So most of the time it's turned off unless you sort of hold it to a device which you want to use to read it. Okay. And you mentioned... This um, also has the benefit, yeah, sorry, just to comment, this also has the benefit when a lot of people ask me, oh, you have an implant, can you now be tracked? So do people know where you are? Are you not worried about Big Brother? I tell them, no, there is uh, no risk at all that anyone can track me because of my implant, because it cannot transmit any signal. So if I get lost somewhere, uh, the chip won't help, not more than a, an identical feeling. Gotcha. Um, you mentioned other types of implants, that some are dangerous and um, some have other uses. What else have you seen besides this NF NFC device? What else... Uh, is commonly implanted nowadays or being experimentally done and what can it do? Right, so my to clarify, my interest is in functional implants. I mean, the body mod community has been doing aesthetic implants for uh, for hundreds of years. No, no, I mean fun I the, functional ones, not yeah, like... Of course, uh, yeah, just to clarify, so yeah. what I find exciting is functional implants. So there are some very interesting things happening, both sort of in the biohacker space as well as in, in industry. So in the biohacker space, I'm of course enthusiastic about magnetic implants, uh, implants that give you a, you know, a sense of, of perceiving magnetic fields. It's very neat. Um, you can, um, for example, not just pick up needles and nails uh, with your finger. Uh, you can also feel electrical wires if they're connected or not. If you're 
do-it-yourselfer. Oh. Uh, I have a good friend. His favorite use of his magnetic implant is that he feels the ATM if it's going to give him cash or not. <laughs> and he sort of feels that. <laughs> It's really? not exactly life-changing, but you know, he's, he feels that in, in the force before someone else can feel it. So, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a fun act. Really? Uh, but <laughs> but uh, what we can imagine is, um, or sorry, then there are uh, some fun, there are some interesting industrial type uh, implants that are happening. There's, for example, a company by the name of Sensonics that last year released a chip implant for people with diabetes. Um, as you are aware, people with diabetes often have to keep very close track of their blood sugar levels, so they have to stick a needle in their fingers up to 10 times a day. Yeah. Now with this implant, they just have to swipe uh, the implant with a, re with a phone or with a reader to get a reading of their blood sugar level. Really? So no bloodshed. So I think that's amazing. Uh, which which company is that that has that device? name is Sensonics. I can send you a link if you want to edit something into yourself into the, the talk. Yeah, that would be great. Um, that would be great. But, sure. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Wow. There are also um, chip implants, also initially developed for veterinarian use, but which are used by biohackers that can measure, for example, body temperature. Uh, so um, what we see is a general trend in which sensors of all kind is of course getting smaller and they need less power uh, and uh, we can easily imagine that we can stick all the sensors in a Fitbit and fit them into an implant and stick them under our skin and there are some very interesting advances in, in doing so first of all we know that people who wear fitness wearables, they get tired of them. So they stop wearing them for a reason or another, or they take them off from time to time because they, you know, it doesn't look good with this dress or, uh, I mean, for, for various reasons. Right. One of the main reasons I hear is that people think it's just another hassle in life. And for me, the what we as biohackers try to solve is to make people's lives less cluttered. I mean, we, I want people to have fewer devices, not one more thing to worry about. Right. So you would have a better sort of use, continuous use of these implants. And also you wouldn't have to worry about aesthetics. But perhaps more importantly, if you're under the skin, you can get better data. You get access to different kinds of data under the skin, uh, different quality. So... Uh, and what I envision here is really that if we can develop a cheap enough implant that can give you a good understanding of what is happening in the body, this can be revolutionizing for healthcare access. Yeah, it can. I mean, if instead that you have to go to a hospital and wait and for a doctor to see you to take some tests, if you can just swipe yourself with your phone and you can get data and then you can send that to a person, especially imagine people who who live in perhaps developing countries. Let's say you live in a village in India and uh, you know the closest doctor may be a whole day's journey away. But if you just have a smartphone and you have a smart implant that you can check your fever and blood sugar and you know your blood levels, it would be a marvelous democratization of healthcare exchange and it, I believe it can save millions of, of lives. So. This is what sort of keeps me going in, in this dimension. Uh, this is a few years away, but we can technically see that we can do it. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow.
Um, so I guess the idea would be an implantable device that can measure, let's say, the uh, top five things that people would want to measure uh, that could tell them about their condition, you know, like blood pressure, heart rate, heart rate variability, um, blood sugar, maybe a few other things, but that would probably be the yeah, exactly. ideal device. Exactly. So it, it could, of course, depend on some sensors are easier than others to 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 implant because um, if you have some kind of chemical or electrochemical sensors, what happens is they quite quickly get a a biofilm buildup. Mm. But if you use, for example, mechanical sensors such as accelerometers uh, that you can use to measure pulse and heart rate, it's. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a little bit of biofilm outside of the implant. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there are some good people working on this, and I'm involved in a couple of projects to, to try to develop uh, uh, this kind of health implants, and I really think we can make a difference with this. Then I'd be happy to talk about some other interesting uses that we also see that are different from the health dimension, and that is to use implants as, uh, as logins, as encrypted logins, okay. and if, if if we over time imagine that we replace these keys and cards that we carry in our pockets and wallets and handbags, and instead we just have sort of a personalized key in our hand, mm-hmm. then we need to make them safer and smarter, and mm, perhaps most importantly, we need to make them encrypted. Meaning that, let's say that whatever digital service I use, I log into a mail account, for example, When if I do that encrypted, then all the data in which I access in, in that system is encrypted. And what this means is that I can decide who I want to share my data with. Instead of the current situation, which is that I have no control whatsoever about the data that is shared when I'm active in the digital domain. I mean, there are if I visit the website, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of uh, companies that log or purchase this information. So right. I think we need some kind of revolution here to for us to take back the control of our own data. This has to happen. And this is sort of one of the challenges of our generation, to, to claw back some of that privacy. Yeah, this sounds like um, some of the Bitcoin or blockchain applications. You know, if you kept your private key, for instance, on a chip in your hand. Actually, you know, it's funny. If you you had a Bitcoin wallet and the private key was stored on a device in your hand, that would be pretty pretty cool. You have your own money literally with you, in you. That's amazing, you know? Yeah. Yes, and... You can have, for example, you could even have two implants, one with your private and one with your public key, right? So the public key you would share whenever you share your contact details, you you share your public key, and you have control over who who has that access. So I I think we will see some interesting advances in this field, and uh, I think this is way overdue because I I think we are being treated unfairly by the big companies and big government who are sort of just completely disregarding our integrity. Uh, a quick question that's um, a little bit of a detour. What is the law surrounding implants, giving in, you know, implanting into someone else or doing it on yourself, right. I'm sure is fine, but do you have to be a doctor? Do you, you know, what licensing is there required depending on the country? So uh, it depends from country to country, but 
generally I have done implants in I've participated in implant events in 15 countries at least in in US and Mexico all over Europe even down in Asia Singapore Malaysia and um, in general it is considered a um, you know non-medical intervention because the implant doesn't have any medical properties so it's comparable to uh, piercings for example getting a hole in your ear and this means that we can engage with the piercing community and body mod community to uh, to have these implant installations and i find that is a great community to work with i met a lot of professional uh, super professional piercers over the last few years when I've toured the world and it's uh, always a pleasure to work with them there I have excellent control over doing a good sterile process and making sure that you know, the implant is planned well without any harm I've heard stories of people going to a veterinarian to get their implant I would not recommend that I mean the veterinarians they don't know that much about the human body uh, or even to go to a medical doctor who who doesn't normally make holes in people? Right. Uh, I think it's it's perfect to work with with piercers. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so we were talking about some of the other applications. You said uh, a friend of yours has a um, magnetic implant, and he can sense an ATM dispensing money. Can he sense uh, the North Pole, for instance? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because just today I had a conversation with the wonderful Liviu Babic, who is one of the founders of Cyborg Nest, uh, the company that does the NordSense implants. Mm. So NordSense is a uh, implant that you connect to your uh, breastbone and uh, it vibrates when you're facing north. So the idea of this little implant is of course to give your body a connection to Earth's magnetic fields and giving you the ability to navigate just like migratory birds by perceiving the magnetic fields of our planet. And I think that's absolutely amazing. So those uh, implants already exist, giving humans a new ability that we've, we haven't had before. Huh. I think that's absolutely amazing. And do you know anyone that's had multiple implants on different parts of their body so they could really get a sense of, uh, let's say, magnetic fields or electrical fields or other stuff, yes. not just not just one? And what was their I have, experience? I have some. I have some good friends who are hardcore uh, <laughs> implant implantees who have. Uh, I have friends who have five or six implants of various kinds. That can be an NFC. You can have. Uh, there's a couple of different frequencies depending on what kind of door readers you have around. You can have a temperature sensing and yes, you can have these magnetic implants that sense either close uh, magnetic fields or even the earth magnetic fields. So, uh, and what is interesting is that we are sort of, we are just in the beginning of what I see as a, a transformation of the human experience. Now, if we can use this smart technology that directly integrates with our senses, we can perceive new things and we can really expand the sensory universe of homo sapiens and i think that is that's mind-blowing i mean we can uh, we can perceive a planet and uh, there, there are some other 
well-known biohackers who have, for example, implants that can turn any signal into sound or vibration in their bodies oh. so that they can perceive earthquakes or even listen into the search for extraterrestrial intelligence uh, data stream. Really? That, yeah, that's yes. what I was going to ask you is tell me some more stories. Tell me about the earthquake one and uh, maybe a few others that's so, amazing. Sure, sure. There is a, a woman whom I highly admire. Her name is Moon Ribas. She has an implant in her arm that uh, has a vibrating function. And she has connected this to the global system of seismographic sensors, which is what measures earthquakes oh. all over the planet. So whenever there is an earthquake somewhere on the planet, she can perceive it. And if it's a bigger earthquake, of course, the, the higher uh, the vibration. And I've, I've heard and seen Moon perform in various instances. She's a professional dancer and she, she stands still and then she moves when, when the implant tells her to move so she can communicate in her dance what is happening on the, on the planet. Huh. And isn't that quite amazing? So, and there is another gentleman, his name is Neil Harbison, who is a great cyborg advocate and Neil he has he's the man who has this implant in the back of his head which he which turns a data stream into sound in his head okay and so he can connect this to any anything he likes really but for example he told me that he uses this to listen to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence system and uh, as you may recall some years back we all did um, download screensavers right. uh, and we would lend a little bit of our processing powers with our computers when they were idle to help process all this data coming in from outer space to see if we can find some extraterrestrial intelligence but Neil is sort of lending not just his computer but his own wetware to to see if maybe his brain can pick something up that all the computers cannot so I think that is absolutely beautiful that you know you can you can hear outer space that's and, crazy uh, what What's the limit in terms of uh, expanding the human sensory ex universe in this way? You, I mean, let's let's see where, how far we can take this. Yeah, are there? Um, do you have any knowledge of uh, implants where we can see uh, infrared or ultraviolet or you know X rays, gamma rays, anything like that? And you know, I know it's it'd be more extensive to interface with the body on that level, but. Um, what do you? What's coming right. in the near future? What do you see that's that's shocking? Well, the uh, the the sense of sight is of course very interesting since it's the our sort of most important sensory input channel, uh, eyesight. And today we have uh, headsets and cameras that can feel and translate infrared and ultraviolet into the visible spectrum for us. So, uh, and if we look at sort of tech development in a bit broader sense, we see that devices have a trend to go from something that is as big as a room to something you have can keep on a desktop to something you can carry in your pocket, something you can carry on your arm, and then to something you can implant we see this happening this rapid miniaturization of all kinds of 
devices. We've seen it with computers, we've seen it with cameras, we see it with microphones, we see it with music players, we see it with even larger equipment such as DNA sequencers, we see it with mass spectrometers. All these devices are rapidly shrinking. So if today, you know, the military can have a uh, infrared headset they put on your head, what will that look like in 10 or 20 years? Will it be a spiegel or will it be a contact lens? I can I can imagine it that it, it will approach there. That's true. The miniature, This is the logical extension of miniaturization uh, to put something inside the body. Yeah, and it's always there. And ultimately, I envision that these devices that we put in, they will be a bit like any other organ. So I have my kidneys, right? They sit there, they do their job. Uh, and uh, maybe I have some other devices sitting under my skin that perform other tasks. And they are not, uh, at the moment they are external, but over time they will be internal. Yeah, and then internal things may actually become external too, or uh, amplified by an external device and back and forth. It's kind of interesting, right. you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if your kidneys don't work, you have to use this external uh, dialysis machine, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, things are going inside. And then, right, we already have where we have to interface with the outside world, have dialysis, mm. et cetera. So I guess in the future, there'll be this merging of our bodies with um, machines or with uh, the external world, you know, through machines. And it's, yeah, I guess that's what transhumanism, right? That's what they call it. Yeah, I mean, this is already happening. So it's, it's more an observation than a speculation. Mm, millions of people already are alive today with smart technology in their bodies and not just chip implants, but people with cochlear implants, pacemakers, insulin pumps, smart technology under their skins. And yeah. with the wave of miniaturization that we see, of course, there are a lot more things that we can input in ourselves. And for me, the reason for doing so is not just to get some freaky uh, superpower things. I think that's often sort of the, the first half hour when you stumble upon the concept. You think, right. hey, yeah, I'm going to see in the dark and swim underwater. But ultimately, you, you come to think of, of deeper things such as can we make humans live a lot longer? Can we live healthier lives? Can we somehow improve our understanding of the world? For example, this idea of perceiving, you know, how the how the planet is changing, how the atmosphere is changing, uh, get a deeper understanding what, for what's going on in our bodies, and ultimately, I want I want to use technology this way to to make us make better decisions, mm. to make us more informed, and to make us more balanced, and to perhaps make us more ethical beings. If we have a deeper understanding for the planet and for each other, would we not make wiser decisions then? Makes I, sense. I, I hope so. I guess, yeah, I guess I have uh, two questions left. Um, are there any devices that can you can implant in yourself and in someone else where you can feel what that other person's feeling or sense it or, you know, allowing people to interact on... Um, on a more visceral level, anything like that. 
doable. People have already done this with uh, prosthetics. Someone can remote control uh, someone else's arm from around the world. Um, it's only been done sort of in lab settings. It's only been done in lab settings. So I don't see any of this in commercial use. There are uh, wearables that can give you electrostimulation and that can induce certain movements. Uh, one of my favorites is this Pavlock device that you can use to get rid of unwanted behaviors. So it, it trains you the Pavlovian way by giving you electric shocks when you're doing things you're not supposed to do. Right. And of course, this can be remotely controlled. But to answer your question, no, we are still not there in the sense that we can share experiences or remote control parts of each other with any precision. Yeah, it's too bad. I, I'm not interested in controlling anyone else, but I, I, I've always wished to um, be able to literally feel what someone else is feeling, in, at right. least in some sense. I mean, that would, that would be amazing, I'm sure, and I, I imagine it would really, I mean, if there is a refugee that has gone through hell, what if that person could really share, you know, the emotional dimensions of that, not just by telling words, but by replaying, you know, the fear and the the angst and the, the relief. I mean, maybe we would treat each other differently than I, I think so. And, uh, but this is this is still in the future. Okay. And then last question, um, maybe you've already said it, but what's some of the craziest stuff you've seen in the implant world that you just think is like nuts? Well, maybe I have a different... <laughs> definition of crazy <laughs> than, uh, than the average person the very few things that I find crazy my uh, my normal reaction to new stuff is excitement and curiosity um, so but I think that the things that I have mentioned to you already the um, the ability to feel seismographic changes in the planets the ability to connect yourself to for example data streams from satellites are mind-blowing when you think of that this is just the beginning that these things are made by uh, by enthusiasts on limited budgets right. what if we could do this I mean if the giants and I know the tech giants are digging into these things uh, when they get into the game with enormous research research budgets and, uh, and market capabilities I think we will we will see these ideas uh, expand into the mainstream very quickly okay yeah all right Hannes. so you know last last question is how can listeners um, you know connect with you or your biohacking co-op and, uh, you know, learn more about what's going on and, and interface with you. Right. So please find me on Twitter uh, at HSJOB. Uh, I'm also on Facebook uh, and uh, a number of other platforms. I'm very happy to uh, chat with people who have interesting projects going on. We also host events from time to time. We're hosting a big biohacker summit in Stockholm on uh, in mid-May, 
we're inviting fantastic uh, speakers from all over the world, not just doing chip implants. There's, for example, a fantastic lady from Harvard. Uh, she is um, she does smart fingernails, and with her smart fingernails, she can play the piano just by moving her fingers in the air. Her name is Katja Vega, and she's absolutely amazing. Um, as well as other dimensions of biohacking, including health hacking, nutrition, sports, uh, and fitness uh, dimensions of biohacking, which is also very important for us. So yeah, please get in touch or just join one of the many Facebook groups for biohackers out there. I think that's an easy way to connect and just learn from the community. Okay, well, very good. Johannes, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.